The Data Reaper podcast is a companion which provides extra insight into the weekly report found at ViciousSyndicate.com. Join us for a deeper dive into the numbers to help you improve your Hearthstone game. Hello and welcome to episode 137 of the Data Reaper podcast. My name is Corbett and joining me today is Zacho the Destroyer. How you doing, Zach? How you doing, Corb? I'm doing good. Yeah, I'm doing all right. Um, you know, it's been a lot of stuff going on with Hearthstone. Uh, you know, we have some exciting stuff going on in multiple modes. And we are happy to hear to talk about all the standard post-patch changes with you today. Yeah, there's a wild report today. It's coming out a few hours after the podcast comes out on July 10th. And there's obviously a report. That's coming on Thursday, and there's obviously our exclusive card reveal for the Rogue class on Saturday, July 15th. So it's an exciting week, and obviously there is a post-patch meta too. We had one nerf, uh, which is uh, Death Blossom Wumper going back to six mana, and that was the only change. Uh, they opted to leave everything out because uh, people were not... Uh, complaining too much about the other decks in the format. Um, and there are developments. There's there's some dramatic changes. So I'm going to talk about what... For some classes, I'm going to talk about what happened before the patch and as a consequence, what did the change do? What did the Chad Durant nerf do? And it did actually quite a lot. So there are a lot of decks that compl- uh, you know pretty much changed their trajectory as a result of these balance changes. So... Uh, you may have felt that, but I definitely see it in the data. So there's there's quite a bit to discuss. Yeah, and not only just the balance change, it's also just been a hot minute since we've you know had a report. Like we uh, obviously had the week off because of the balance changes. Don't want to publish a report the same day. Um, so there was already kind of a, a trend in the way things were going. So it might be very different than what people are used to if they haven't really clued in for a, about two weeks or so. Yeah, no, there, there's quite a bit. Um, but yeah, let's let's start. I think um, the best way is to start with uh, Demon Hunter. Demon Hunter right now is the most popular class, uh, at least at, at Legend ranks. Uh, Hunter is the most popular class at Upper Diamond. When you're climbing to Legend, you're going to run into a lot of Hunters. But we'll start with Demon Hunter. I think uh, the general messaging here is that what the Chadroid nerfed did is directly help all of the decks that Chadroid beat. All the decks that Chadroid tended to counter got better as a result of the patch, which is, you know, not that hard to predict, but it's a constant pattern that you're going to see throughout this podcast. And one of those decks is Relic Demon Hunter. Uh, now, we go back to before the patch. Before the patch, Relic Demon Hunter was kind of choking under a lot of pressure, and it looked pretty bad. Uh, You know, Spell DH kind of started to rise until it was bugged. And, uh, um, you know, the the, the meta trends generally did not favor Relic Demon Hunter, and it kind of started to fall off, which, you know, led to an undesired effect of Control Priest uh, becoming better, and I alluded to that uh, in the in the last podcast. Uh, but um, right now, Relic Demon Hunter looks a lot better. 
looks very good. Looks like one of the better decks on Acclaim the Legend. One of the best decks uh, overall. I wouldn't say it's the best deck or it's even the third best deck. It's not like insanely good, but it's much, much better than it was uh, before the patch. It's at least tier two throughout ladder. On some rank bets, it could see it's even tier one. Um, it's a good deck to play. It has... Uh, uh, Several good relevant matchups, specifically against the overplayed, you know, Blood Control Death Knight, against Control Priest. It's just against Mage, which is another deck that people tend, you know, Spooky Mage, people tend to really play it, even though it's not good. So, like, Demon Hunter kind of takes advantage of that. I will, I would suspe suspect that as the meta settles down, kind of what happened before the patch, too, in the format, in the previous format. Is that after a while, Relic Demon Hunter will get worse because the deck that it preys upon, most of them are significant underperformers. So, Relic Demon Hunter, good right now. Probably going to get worse over time, but still going to be a decent deck. Um, then there's Outcast. And, you know, nothing really changed for the worse when it comes to Outcast. It's still. A strong deck. I'm not sure it's the best deck at top legend anymore. It's probably not. It's probably a new king. We'll talk about that. But Outcast is a very strong deck throughout ladder. But again, not too popular, uh, not too accessible. I think it's it's a stressful deck to play for um, for players who are not super experienced. Uh, you look at you know its play rate around diamond ranks. It's between one and a half and two and a half percentages of the field that's very low at legend it rises to around four and a half five percent so uh, it, it's a deck that people that aren't too experienced can can you can you can do a lot of misplays with that deck uh, you know glaive tower management hand space um you know outcast management there's a lot of things to um, keep track of that you can easily lose yourself when you're playing this deck. But if you do learn how to play this deck well, then it's very rewarding because it's strong. It's it's strong right now. It has a very, very balanced matchup spread, and you feel like you can win. You have a chance in every every matchup. I think the only matchup that you really groan uh, is the Blood Control Death Knight matchup. That matchup is really, really hard. But other than that, Every other matchup is fairly winnable, even if it's slightly unfavored. I think when I kind of go back into standard, I've been kind of flipping between a lot of modes right now. Um, I might just ride it out with Outcast Demon Hunter for the rest of the month, uh, at least as my main deck. Like, that deck seems really appealing still. Um, like you said, very challenging. But, man, Glaivetar is just cocaine in Hearthstone, I'm going to say it. That card is, like, one of the most fun experiences I've ever had. It continues to be the most fun experience I have. Um, so, yeah. I might toy around with it as well, because I do wonder whether there's still a little bit of room for refinement. I, I saw someone floating a very cute idea of Priest of the Deceased in Outcast Demon Hunter, which might sound silly, but it works very well with security and some of those little 1-1s one and 2-1s that you pop out on the board so often. It kind of makes sense, because if Merlocula is good, then maybe Priest of the Deceased is also good, like infused cards uh, are infused very quickly in this deck. I can see it. I think it... Like maybe you cut vicious slither spear for it. That's the card that I would look to uh, maybe improve on. Um, 
But yeah, uh, I definitely agree with you. Glavetar is amazing. Uh, don't do drug kits. <laughs> Sorry, but, not an know. endorsement. Just uh, yeah, just a joke. No, not yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> but Glavetar is is great. I I do enjoy it. Like I've played uh, in Wild. I've played a quest quest demon hunter, and obviously in Twist, uh, um, quest demon hunter, uh, you know, attracted a ban uh, on Glide, and you still hit number one legend on Twist. <laughs> with a list that doesn't even run glide so yeah kudos for that but yeah outcast synergies are strong and they're strong in the standard too and outcast is a good deck though it's very different obviously from the quest line demon hunters and twist and wild um other demon hunter decks big demon hunter doesn't see much play it's it's pretty solid it's it's definitely a playable deck uh and it can be quite strong Right now, because it beats Relic, uh, it also does well into the Attrition decks. Um, but maybe it's not as attractive in terms of play experience. Players are less uh, less uh, less attracted by this uh, by this uh, play style. Mm-hmm. I can understand it. Um, Spell Demon under but is bugged. Uh, it's only playable on mobile. I think on mobile it's actually okay. But on PC, the Felderite Warbands tokens just do not work. And it's a bug that's been, you know, conveniently been left alone. <laughs> Interesting, Team 5. I see your game. I see what you're doing. They have not fixed it. Uh, it's it's entirely possible. They don't know. Uh, <laughs> they don't know what the cause is yet. And sometimes bugs do take time. But. Uh, this is very convenient, I would I, say. I was wondering just how much this bug was genuinely influencing the format because I anticipated that they would probably get fixed when they did the, uh, you know, the card changes, the part of that patch. But um, maybe the person did go on holiday, Zach. We suggested it. Maybe they did just go for a little, little bit of leave during the July. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, like, spell demon hunter, like un. If it's not bugged, I would suspect that it's very good. It would be very good right now. But since it is, then it's not really relevant. And it keeps, again, it really helps Relic Demon Hunter stay strong. And that, in in turn, helps it counter the attrition-style decks. Um, So what I talked about uh, before is kind of uh, with Spell Demon Hunter enabling Control Priest, it's kind of not transpiring. People can't actually play this deck because it's bugged. It's best card is bugged. It doesn't work. Um, so I can't I can't really say much about that deck, but that's pretty much the situation. This is a Hearthstone first, Zach, that we have like a, a real strong playable deck that can't be played because of a bug. I mean, I, I think it happened before, but not for that long. But I would say this is the most clutch bug we've ever seen in Hearthstone. Like, some bugs prevented people from maybe playing a deck that they enjoyed, they, they liked. But this is a bug I think we're all kind of okay with. Like, sometimes, you know, um, there's a lucky bug. And, and this is one of them. Because uh, Spell Demon Hunter and its current iteration is an extremely polarizing deck that I think makes the format generally worse uh, overall. At least in this in the current conditions. So now that you know Relic Demon Hunter is not uh, held back by spell, then it's allowed to do, I think, some important things. Okay, um, next class is uh, definitely, obviously, uh, another popular class, but not 
particularly powerful right now. Um, blood is at at legend. Blood is straight up trash. It's not good. There's no spell demon hunter to counter. Uh, the outcast demon hunter population is not particularly high. Relic demon hunter is doing well. When relic demon hunter is doing well, then blood control death knight is not doing well. Also, enrage warrior is a very difficult matchup. So, and hound hunter is also a difficult matchup because of the inevitability of uh, faithful companions and string of the one heart. So it doesn't really have good matchups. It just loses to everything. It loses to Control Priest. It loses to everything. Uh, other than Outcast, Demon Hunter, and maybe the faster Death Knight decks. Uh, that's what it does. Um, so it's just not good. Blood Control, not a good deck. Uh, maybe more playable at uh, lower MMR, lower rank brackets. It's closer to the tier. Three range, uh, but at Legend, uh, it looks tier four. Straight up, tier four deck. Just not. Not very good. Um, Unholy is still the best Death Knight deck. Um, I think uh, it's easy to understand why. Uh, mostly the key is the matchups against a Relic Demon Hunter and Rage Warrior Hound Hunter. Those are matchups where Frost, in comparison, does significantly worse than Unholy. Unholy has a stickier board, which is... Uh, you know, harder to remove. So something like uh, Hollow Hound has a more difficult time. It, you know, you swing the life total and you can remove stuff. But the Unholy has better reload potential compared to the Frost Aggro Death Knight that just gets countered by healing in a much more significant way. Uh, and Rage Warrior, you're just, you have better board control tools. You can get under them. You can control the board better. If you control the board, then it's harder for them to snowball on you. Uh, Frost, usually what happens is uh, they build a board of um, damage minions with an imbued axe and they just, you know, snowball that. And even if you Frost from Sphere one turn and stole that, it doesn't matter. They keep swinging with the imbued axe and eventually you're going to die. It's kind of a similar situation with Mage and Blizzard. Blizzard is not effective against Enrage Warrior for the same reason. The stalling just doesn't doesn't work very well you can't really burn them down um in an in a feasible way to to make those stalling turns matter right so you're just delaying the inevitable um so that's kind of the situation frost i don't like it in the meta right now it's not that great unholy i like it more it's the best death knight deck it's still not amazing right now but it is but the best death knight deck and that's kind of it. It's interesting because Unholy is finally like completely, almost completely dropped the Yodler build. I still see them on ladder, but most people are running builds closer to the iteration that we have in the report with the Megatha and, uh, you know, just the good all around cards uh, that just work well for this deck and have, ha have worked well for this deck for months. Mm hmm. Yeah, um, it, it really seems like, uh, you know, you, you kind of pointed out that, you know, Druid decks, <laughs> sorry, sorry, like the decks that beat Druid obviously get worse, and the decks that were losing to Druid get better, um, but Hound Hunter has kind of become the bigger focal point, right? Hound Hunter really increasing in prevalence even at top 1000 Legend, and kind of shaping a bit more, 
you know, what is viable, what isn't. And Unholy Death Knight, you know, being very solid in the Hound Hunter, Frost Death Knight being very weak in the Hound Hunter. And that kind of sets the tone for most of the meta it feels like uh, right now. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Hunter, Hunter has definitely risen in play and power and prevalence uh, post-patch. Uh, it's a deck that lost to Chadrid. So obviously it benefited from from the nerf. And, uh, you know, it was always popular up at Diamond towards the Climb the Legend, but I think it, it, it rose further. After the patch, it's pretty close to 20% play rate at Upper Diamond, which is, I mean, not actually, it's not 20%, but it's like Diamond 1, it's peaking at 18%. Mm-hmm. At Upper Diamond, it's around maybe slightly over 15, around the 50% mark. So it's still like, it's a very powerful deck, but it, since it's Hunter, you don't see a 30% play rate. Maybe if this was a Rogue deck or a Priest deck, you would see a higher play rate. But since it's a Hunter deck, then the play rate, even when it's really, really good, is not approaching, you know, unbearable levels. So this is part of the reason why I'm I'm actually fine with this deck being good. Um, obviously, I would like the expansion to shake things up, but uh, the current situation with Hunt Hunter being strong, I think is okay. And what does strike me as a difference from before the patch is that hunter is much better at high mmr at top legend compared to before the patch it's both much more popular like its play rate around top thousand legend is around uh, between 13 and 15 percent and its win rate is tier one territory uh, where before the patch it was around a 50 percent win rate mark the fact that you removed Chadrid from the equation helped it a lot. It's also good against Relic Demon Hunter, so that helps has a slight favorability against uh, Relic Demon Hunter. Um, so, And it's good against Priest. It's good against uh, Blood Control uh, Death Knight. It's also pretty flexible now that it can run both Renathal and non-Renathal builds. Again, like the main thing to keep in mind is that generally... 30 cards do better against slower decks and 40 cards do better against faster decks. For example, in the mirror, I would run the Renathal build. Like if I'm focused on trying to win the mirror, the Renathal build does seem to have a small edge compared to the 30 card build. And this happened again, lots of things. Nerfing uh, two of the top performers in the Hunter deck in Pazic and Hope of Quelthalos did a lot to kind of put Renathal in a competitive as a competitive alternative to the 30 card build. Um, so Hunter looks very, very good. But uh, again, it's not an unstoppable deck and Rage Warrior does beat it. Uh, if you want to counter Hunter, which currently has a really, really strong matchup spread, it's very, very green. There is a red, which is in Rage Warrior and Rage Warrior does well to get under it and push it off the board and take over and the hunter doesn't really have a great response again the hound the hollow hound coming in on turn six after you've already you know imbued axe like if the enrage warrior once you get a board with imbued axe there's very little that the hunter can do it's very difficult to stop that which is a hollow hound three damage it's turn six is not enough so hunter strong um what else do we have here? Next class, priest. Okay, 
So priest, uh, Corb, I think we can say that the meta is saved. It's oh, thank saved. God! And it it looked quite grim. Actually, I saw your tweet, Zach. I saw that tweet you put out. I I will say it for the people who didn't see the tweet. If there was no balance bash last week, and if we published a report on last Thursday, Control Priest would be the best deck in the game. It would be tier one, number one deck at top legend. That was the result of the data report that was never published. <laughs> we never published it. We never made it. I never made it because there was going to be balance changes. So we don't do we don't do a report for an obsolete meta when the balance changes come on the same day. Yeah, that that was why that was why wink wink. Yeah. Yeah, that was why. <laughs> the real reason, yeah, is that control priest was number one and I could not publish that publicly. But Control Priest was shaping up to be number one. It looked good. The trajectory of the format just helped it. Spell the Age had, I think, enough of a play rate to suppress Relic Demon under Relic Demon. It was in a really poor position in the format. And Relic Demon under being a poor position in the format means Control Priest spins out of control because Relic Demon Hunter is the deck that keeps Control Priest in check. And once that, you know... Once it lost its grip, Control Priest spun out of control. It was the best deck at high MMR, and it looked grim. However, post-patch, Chadroid being nerfed. Chadroid is a good matchup for Control Priest. On top of that, Chadroid kept a lot of things that beat Control Priest uh, in check. Uh, Hound Hunter is one example. Relic Demon Hunter, obviously. And Rage Warrior, Control Priest does beat it, but... The math checks out in favor of the field being able to counter control priest much better. Also, there was there was a growing um, effort from the field to try and counter control priest harder. Uh, you know, I started to see you know when when control priest looked like the best stack at high MMR. I started to see a concession rate. There was a visible number of games where people would just concede to control priest. And around that same time where people started to concede more to Control Priest also came, you know, the desperate attempts to counter Control Priest. And I think Control Priest is still viewed by some as the enemy right now because it is popular. It, like at Legend Ranks, it's uh, around a 10% play rate. Upper Diamond, around 9% play rate. Even even uh, at, uh, you know, Diamond 5 to 10, it's still around 9%. So it's a popular deck. That people see quite a bit of. And obviously, they despise losing to it. So they will, you know, Spooky Mage. Player still still absurdly high relative to how bad the deck is. But the one thing that it does do is it beats Control Priest. So what happened to Control Priest post-patch? Very deep in Tier 3. Even at high MMR, Control Priest went from best deck in the game. Remember, best deck in the game. Number one deck in the format. If there was a report last week. As it stands, post-patch tier three uh, at high MMR, even when the you know high skill cap doesn't help. Throughout ladder, tier three doesn't really doesn't look uh, as intimidating as it was before. So control priest was stopped. Why did it happen? You can thank the hound hunters and the relic demon hunters. They have done the most work here in in preventing this deck from spinning out of control because that's what it was shaping up. Uh, to be so 
yeah, Control Priest has been stopped. And the Wampa nerf becomes my favorite nerf balance change in the history of Hearthstone. You know, killing Druid uh, or, you know, nuking that play pattern and then somehow having a knock-on effect where we completely uh, thump Control Priest down multiple tiers. So, love that. It was, it was, it was actually perfect balance change. The fact that they did that change and only that change was perfect because they nerfed an enabler because if you if you ask most pe people again i don't mind control priest being in the game i don't mind it being competitive but when it's the best deck then you know it gets hairy it gets a, there are problems but what we but if you ask most players like what are the two decks in that format in the previous format that generated the most negative response it would be chadrid and control priest they nerfed chadrid they eliminated that deck and that nerfed control priest too indirectly so they kind of with one throw of a stone they killed two burns so uh and they again it's very important it was very important not to do other changes not to nerf demon hunter even though it was tempting to do it not to nerf hunter even though the win rate was pretty high because those are the decks that right now they're powerful to to keep control priest at a reasonable win rate um so yeah, very very good. I'm um, I'm quite pleased with this. But uh, yeah, there was also Undead Priest. Undead Priest is solid. It's an okay deck. It's not particularly strong. It's not one of the strongest decks, but it's definitely playable and competitive. If you do enjoy that deck, you can take it to ladder. It looks tier two ish right now, throughout ladder. Uh, and uh, yeah, even a top legend looks quite solid. When before it would kind of drop off. I think. Uh, we're seeing that it does it does better even at high MMRs, uh, yeah. So that's priest. I think uh, we can we can let that chapter go. Uh, yeah, and then moving on, you know, you've talked about a another deck that um, has seen significant play. Uh, Control priest nemesis in the class. Let's talk about mage, Zach. Yeah, mage. I mean, spooky mage is awful as it always has been. Uh, this expansion. Uh, people continue to play it because they really want a counter control priest and they're running greedier and greedier builds. I've noticed this matchup has uh, like Spooky Mage has gained quite a few percentages against control priest. I think it has to do partially with some new builds, new iterations of control priest that, I, that are worse against Mage. People uh, are running um, Fan Club, uh, Crimson Clergy, and Handmaiden. In control piece this is a recent build it looks quite good um and it was an answer initially an answer to spell demon hunters at top legend and it's kind of also good against other burn decks such as uh frost aggro death knight so you have more cycle and more healing but that specifically is worse against spooky mage and spooky mage also uh, is really greeting up um to, to be control priest by running renathol and running more threats and more stuff. Um, by the way, Prison of Yogg-Saron is a card that I'm going to evaluate in multiple archetypes. And it has a chance to go in into some of them. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was not expecting to hear this. Yeah, uh, I, I'm also a bit surprised. But Prison of Yogg is actually a good card. And there, there are several decks. I, I have to like. I'm gonna do the, uh, you know, the refinement work tomorrow. But the one deck where I'm 100% certain that Prison of Yog is going into is Spooky Mage. Uh, 
Prison of Yaxorn is one of the best cards in Spooky Mage. It is nutty in Spooky Mage. It is a top three card in that deck. Really? Which shocked me. Yeah, it's really, really insane in that deck. And actually, when I look at this, wait, wait, is Spooky Mage good because of Prison of Yaxorn? Oh, no. Is it actually playable Stop now? That. Wait, is it? It looks a lot better. It looks, I, I, I will say, that iteration, I, I think Prison of Yogg-Saron might lift Spooky Mage from being a Tier 4 deck to maybe a Tier 3 deck, I dare say. No, probably just Tier 3. Let's not go crazy. But Prison of Yogg, transformational card in Spooky Mage. Like, you know what, Corb? Maybe I'm going to end this podcast and I'm going to start playing Spooky Mage with Prison of Yogg and maybe this is actually playable. I mean, this card is basically a wing condition. It gives it gives them late game. Wow! Like I'm 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 looking at the the metrics in the archetype cloud that I have in you know I have a lab dashboard and stuff, and insane. Uh, like this card is just out of it's nutty. It's as important as romance. Oh my god! That tech. Well, okay. This is actually this is fascinating because. It seems quite likely that if Prison of Yogg-Saron is this strong as you're describing in Mage, that it is likely very strong in other archetypes, regardless of whether it's seeing experimentation right now. Like, if a card looks this good in an archetype, it's probably very splashable. Maybe. I, I, don't, I don't think it's good in Priest, for example. I don't, I don't think, like, uh, that even though you would think, oh, so if... if Prison of Yogg is really good in Mage, and it's probably good in Priest, because, yeah, you know, they're both Renovol decks, like, control archetypes, so maybe we want to put that, maybe we want to put uh, Prison of Yogg in Blood Control. I'm not sure about that, uh, because uh, they are they are different decks, and Prison of Yogg may give Spooky Mage something that Control Priest already has and doesn't need more of, um, which is removal. It's basically a removal card in some way, you can think about it like that. And obviously, Spooky Mage as a removal toolkit is not as good as Priest. So maybe it does something there. Maybe it, it, it helps there. But card is really impressive. I would just shove it in Spooky Mage automatically. Um, you know, I, I, I'm kind of going off of Mage specifically, but I am curious about... I, I've seen uh, people try Prison of Yogg in Demon Hunter. I'm definitely not convinced about that. I remember that from before the patch. Uh... But there are other classes. We'll actually get to that. There's there's two other classes where I'm seeing potential for Prison of Yacht. But anyway, Spooky Mage, maybe not terrible when you run Prison of Yacht. Um, I did not expect to hear that sentence today, Zach. That is out of left field. Not on my bingo chart. I'm kind of surprised because I looked at the da- like I looked at the dashboard like, and suddenly this popped up as a card that like a top performer for the archetype, and I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? But yeah, um, but generally, I, like it's not like Spooky Mage is gonna be this meta breaker now because uh, of Prison of Yacht, but it does look a lot better. Anyway, you know, there's obviously Burn Mage. Um, Burn Mage, I'm not liking it too much in the meta right now, but I do like Secret Mage. Secret Mage is looking very good as long as you run, you know, the Spooky build, the Spooky variant that you know we featured in the report from before the patch. That is probably the best Mage deck. Uh, you run a, a small secret package with a uh, custom singer, you run an um, anonymous informant, and you run a counter spell and objection. Objection is a nutty spell uh, secret. 
um, maybe you also run star power in that deck. So you remember I kept banging on about, um, you know, why are people not running sp star power in Burn Mage? And some people um, said, oh, if star power is really good in Burn Mage, maybe we should run in, in the secret mage that runs this, this spooky skeleton shell too. And that makes sense because star power synergizes with the uh, cosmic keyboard. So maybe you you want star power in that deck too, and you find some some room for it. Uh, I can definitely see it having potential. I think Secret Mage with the Spooky Shell is a strong deck right now. It's quite strong. Uh, the disruption um, from objection and counterspell is very valuable right now. So I'm liking it a lot. I think Mages, even though you know on paper the class looks kind of uh, meh, kind of mid. Secret Mage looks very strong uh, right now. And maybe even spooky. I don't know what's going on here. But yeah. Um, Warrior. Oh, just before you move on, uh, I was curious if there was any updates on Naga Mage, Zach. Uh, I know, like, for all three of the high skill cappers that are playing it. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. No. There's actually more than three high skill, or, uh, high skill cappers that are playing Naga Mage. It's kind of funny because its play rate... Throughout most of ladder for Naga Mage is like half a percent. And then at Legend, it pops to like 1.7, an impressive 1.7 play rate. And at top legend, an impressive 2.5% play rate. Uh, yeah, this is a top legend deck. And in fact, Corb, this deck at high MMR does not look that bad. It might be okay. Like the people who are playing it and are swearing that it's actually the nuts, they're not that crazy. The deck is actually showing uh, functionality, let's call it. I don't know if it's it's like tier 3-ish. It's much closer to 50% win rate than you would think. So Naga Mage is actually kind of playable, might be kind of playable. I'm also kind of careful because there could be some source bias at play here with the people who are specifically playing that deck. But the deck does seem to have a very high skill cap. I, I gargantuan skill cap. This deck is definitely difficult to play. And outside of that bracket, high MMR bracket, it's unplayable. Like if you play it at Dumpster Legend, if you're a Dumpster Legend player and you play Nagami, it's tier four for you. But if you play top legend, maybe it's close to 50% win rate for you. So it's quite interesting, and I'll, I'll keep an eye out for it. Right now, Sampasa is obviously very low, and uh, especially with these kind of decks, with the high skill cap decks, you need time to give. Time we may not have, but all I'm saying is, you guys are not crazy. I'm actually seeing Naga Mage being functional. Um, but I forgot about it. Uh, I went to Warrior because I thought, you know, I talked enough about Prison of Yogg, so it felt like I was done. Uh, but yeah, I wasn't actually done. So thanks for bringing me back to Naga Mage. And yeah, um, I think Mage is actually fine. As the class looks pretty solid overall. Uh, I mean, at least it has options. It has decent options uh, to play with. Warrior. Warrior is one of the, I think, the three big winners of the patch. I mentioned them. The three decks that were kept in check or oppressed to some degree by Chadrid. Alongside Relic Demon Hunter and Hound Hunter, you have Enrage Warrior. Enrage Warrior straight up looks like the best deck in the game. Uh, Enrage Warrior right now looks insane. Uh, you know, Control Priest kept in check by multiple things. 
not allowed to grow any further. That's the main counter for Enrage Warrior. Enrage Warrior does well into Hound Hunter. The deck looks really, really, really freaking good. And uh, yeah, unless you queue up into specifically Rogue decks, Miracle Secret, Rogue do well against Enrage Warrior and Control Priest. Everything else is kind of green. The matchup spread is arguably as good as it, uh, as Hound Hunter's matchup spread. But Enrage Warrior does have an edge, direct edge against Hound Hunter. It's not as popular uh, because for, I think two reasons. It's more difficult to play compared to Hound Hunter. Hunter Hunter is very straightforward. So at the lower MMR brackets, it's much more accessible. And maybe also because of how attractive it is, uh, generally faster warrior decks uh, are historically difficult to, you know, enamor. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's difficult to convince the player base to play them at a high play rate. I think Enrage Warrior and Ashes of Outland was, like, even though it was so good, if you look back to the reports, it was still not particularly pow- popular outside of high MMR uh, brackets. So uh, that's a situation. That's a situation I'm seeing right now too. Enrage Warrior is mostly a deck that's really popular at Legend, and you know it's visible but not insane play rate outside of that. Like upper diamond around four percent. Feels like a little bit of a simplification, but it, it seems like we do have you know I don't like using the term rock paper scissors, but we do have Hound Hunter, um, you know, contending well against Control Priest uh, and Rage Warrior contending well against those two decks, Hound Hunter and Relic, and then the Control Priest being you know quite solid into Warrior. Um, they're all like not too dominant over the other, but those are kind of the main factions. It seems like uh, in terms of play rate right now, at least. Um, at high levels of play yeah and control priest but unlike unlike the other two elements uh you know enrage relic hunt under they're doing well control priest right now is not doing too well because the focus i think is on beating control priest rather than beating the other decks and also because the other decks have matchup spreads that are far more well-rounded right control priest has multiple matchups uh that uh it's struggling against right now loses to relic loses to hound um you know spooky mage just showing up for no reason just to screw with it it's win rate like spooky mage is a is an oppressively bad matchup and you know even at a five percent play rate spooky mage a deck that you know on paper should not be seen at all uh especially before prison of yog uh it just shows up just for the sake of countering it um also secret mage is another deck mage deck that's kind of popping up looks very good against priest so there's a lot of focus on countering priests and uh that matchup spread that i saw before the patch where it looked like so amazing the matchup spread for priests looked so good has kind of turned sour very very quickly just because it, it just developed a target on its back and it's there's there's more effort uh, to try and beat it as hard as possible. And that only bodes well for Enrage Warrior. So do you think there's any risk that Enrage Warrior kind of completely runs away with the format right now, uh, given Control Priest matchup spread otherwise? No, uh, because Enrage Warrior, even though it looks like a very, very powerful deck, I think it's far more important. I think when it comes to play experience, uh, play rate is something that you need to control more than win rate. Uh, 
you know, obviously, uh, you know, I'm going to look at the data. I'm going to publish power rankings. I'm going to show you what is the most powerful deck. What are the win rates? But if, uh, if the best deck has a play rate that's not even 10% of the field, it's not felt as much. Like, let's say if there's a 55% win rate deck, but its play rate is 8%, it's going to feel better to play against compared to a 53% win rate deck with a 20% play rate. Obviously, the format where you get to a 20% play rate is much more uh, limiting. Much more, It feels more oppressive because you run into this thing more often. It doesn't matter that the deck has, I don't know, whether it has 2% here or 2% here, there in a matchup. What matters is visibility. And in Rage Warrior, decks like in Rage Warrior and Hound Hunter, even when they're good, they don't develop overbearing visibility. So those are the kind of decks you want to be the best. Decks that don't generate a lot of visibility. There are decks, visibility is very important in a format because you can have a good deck, but if it has no visibility, it doesn't exist, people don't want to play it, then it doesn't matter that it exists. It's not relevant for the format. Uh, the, the thing you want to keep in track is visibility because if you have equal visibility from multiple decks, even if they're not as powerful as each other, the experience is diversity. You run into a lot of different opponents. So some decks need a 50% win rate and they have high visibility. And some decks need a 53% win rate to have high visibility. This is the balance that you're trying to strike. Not just the balance in the win rate, but the balance in the play rate. And in Rage where it doesn't concern me there. Um, and again, if an Rage Warrior pops up and becomes really, really popular, then there will be a response to it um, from more control priest. But for now, it's having a good time. Other warrior decks, uh, not really seeing much play. Menagerie Warrior, Control Warrior. Um, control Warrior is awful. Menagerie Warrior is not awful, but there's no great reason to play it, so people are not doing it, which is the same because for me, this is my favorite deck of this expansion. Uh, like the the rush of playing one amalgam bands, like five copies of one amalgam bands, which is super fun. Uh, hopefully this deck maybe pops up next expansion with some more support. Uh, Control Warrior, not good. Okay. Rogue. Rogue is a counter to Warrior. If you don't want to play Control Priest, you can play Rogue and it does really well into Warrior, both Secret and Miracle Rogue. Uh, What's interesting to me is that I'm seeing Secret Rogue uh, looking quite solid. Uh, I think generally it benefited from the balance patch. Uh, it does really well. Again, Secret Rogue is a deck that does well into slower decks. Spooky Mage, Control Priest, Blood Control, Death Knight. Uh, what it does in these matchups, it has good value. You know, it plays... Uh, Astalor, it's centered around, it's got an Astalor late game, so it's gonna be good against the slower decks. Um and it has disruption in the form of Gravedigger, so it can starve these decks out of cards and just win win the late game that way. So it's good against in the slower matchups, not as good obviously in the faster matchups. But this is a deck that started playing Prison of Yogg. <laughs> this is another deck that started to play Prison of Yogg. And What's interesting, it's very different. I think the reason why it plays Prison of Yogg is very different from the reason why Spooky Mage plays Prison of Yogg. Spooky Mage plays Prison of Yogg, I think, to react, remove, uh, find a swing turn, you know, bail it out. 
I think Secret War is starting to run Prison of Yogg because it wants to way, find more ways to close out games. So in Secret War, I think you play Prison of Yogg, just you click you know, the, the opponent's face and see what happens. I think it works out quite well. It's not as good as in Spooky Mage, but it's a card that might go into Secret Road. It looks solid. I'm actually curious to see whether, you know, there's one free slot in Miracle oh. Road. You know, the slot that runs Posic right now. And some people, I think Jesse started running Okani there. I would put Prison in that 30th uh, card slot and see what happens. I think uh, Prison of Yai has potential in Rogue uh, from what I'm seeing. I would try it based on how it performs in Secret. I would try it in Miracle Rogue. Looks kind of cool. Again, not really... Uh, Rogue is not super reactive in nature. It's much more proactive, so Prison seems strange. You just click on their face. It's always three Pyroblasts. Always. Always. Always three Pyroblasts. Yeah. Um, yeah, Paladin. Paladin, okay. Paladin... Very similar to Priest, I think. Uh, is it is you know Pure Paladin did well against Chadrick. So losing that matchup and replacing it with other matchups that are not as easy. Obviously, was not good for, for Pure Paladin. And the deck did drop off in its performance. And I'm seeing that throughout ladder. It, it's a worse deck. It's a worse deck on the climb legend. You know, it was a deck that was like surefire tier one. Pretty much at every bracket except top legend. And now I'm seeing a deck that I'm not even sure is tier two at on the climb the legend. It got significantly worse. Um it's a deck that definitely was hurt. It's still solid, it's not bad, but it's not as good as Enrage Warrior, it's not as good as Hound Hunter, uh, not as good as those decks. So there's there's a there's a certain priority if you want to play an aggressive proactive deck then you have better options than pure paladin at this point so it definitely lost like i think it had an important role in keeping chadrin in check that even kept it relevant as you remember even a top legend people played pure paladin just for that the fact that it beat chadrin and control priest and now that job is kind of not needed anymore we don't need you anymore so people are throwing it away Poor Pure Paladin. I mean, it had a great run, you know? Yeah. Had a good run. It still has, like, again, it's not <laughs> yeah, like it's, yeah, it's not. It's not gone, but maybe in the minds of top legend players, it might be gone a little bit. In the minds of top legend players, it's definitely gone. I'm definitely noticing it. Its play rate uh, has significantly declined to, like, 3.5%, something like that. Where before, it was quite popular. Even a top legend, it was uh, quite a... But again, it was the Chadrid Control Priest uh, experience that did, people really wanted to beat do- both of these decks, and that's what Pure Paladin offered. So that's what people played. But now they have better options, so they don't feel like they need to play this deck. Anyway. Yeah, and now, yeah, now we're getting into some other classes that basically seem gone, Zach. No, oh, not really, because no? Shaman is not oh. gone. Shaman is not gone. I mean, Shaman is good. Shaman is... Uh, Shaman is okay. Shaman, uh, you got Totem Shaman. You got Evolve Shaman. Um, and uh, by the way, Evolve Shaman is another deck that may run a run. Prison of Yog Sabron. Really? Uh, looks in, uh, in quite the, prom- You said Totem yeah. Shaman? 
Oh, Evolve no. Shaman. Uh, evolve Shaman. Shaman. Okay, I was very confused for a second. Wait, it, does Evolve make sen more sense? I, I guess so. It makes a little in bit more sense. In the tribal totem deck, if Yogg went in the tribal totem deck, then I would have started slapping it and everything. Like, if you told me that, it was over. Yeah, spending seven mana on something that's not a totem in the dedicated totem deck, that's kind of crazy. But again, in Evolve Shaman, it's kind of it's kind of a deck that has a few waves of threats, right? And then it kind of gasses out. So Yogg kind of like, just put the prison, click the opponent's face and see what happens. Maybe it's lethal. Uh, and sometimes he bails you out of a, of a bad situation. I actually had a crazy game. I was playing Relic Demon Hunter against Spooky Mage. Uh, obviously, this matchup is super favorite, and I won. But I will say that it became really difficult because they played Prison of Yogg. I had, like, a huge board of uh, Relic of Phantasms. I, like, I had Vault Phantasms in, like, 11, 11, 12, 12s. Mm -hmm. They Prison of Yogg into a Corpse Explosion. Oh, no. <laughs> and they cleared my board. I did manage to win eventually, but I saw that and I said, okay, this gives them like some that's some sort of a bailout card. That that could win the game in another matchup, maybe. So so yeah, so in Spooky Mage, it's insane. But I'm seeing like Rogue, Shaman, these decks are not like these classes are currently not really late game focused or as late game focused as something grindy like Spooky Mage. Yeah, Prison of Yacht could be a, a good fit there. Again, you just play it, click face, see what happens. Um, and it, when you're behind, you just play it and hope it bails you out. Like, it's kind of like a box. It's a mini box uh, of Yacht. So, yeah. I would like to see it tried and more. Like, this card initially came out and people say, ah, oh, this card is like the fun card. Like, it's like the Sunwell or something like that. No, this card is better than Sunwell, guys. Sunwell is a card that's pretty much trash in bait in every deck that it was ran in. Except maybe Defrog with Trickster. It was kind of maybe okay, but still not great. But Prison of Yogg, I'm actually seeing. I'm seeing stuff. I would try it in uh, in some other stuff. that I, I'm trying to think of decks that would want to play Prison of Yogg. Rogue and Shaman makes sense to me. It definitely seems like it's the the classes that don't otherwise have fantastic uh, recovery or maybe they lack lethality in the late game. So it's kind of like pulling it from the neutral pile, it feels like. Yeah, it might be that. I would try it in Blood Control, Death Knight. I would try it. In, I don't like it in Priest. I don't think Priest needs it. And theoretically, Blood Control does have a ton of removal and may not need it. But maybe it helps it close out games. I don't know. Um, definitely not something like Relic Demon Hunter, which has a really focused late game. It doesn't need something like Prison of Yogg. But something like Rogue, which has difficulty closing out games sometimes when it's threats of Detwa, seems like a good fit. Evolve Shaman, similar thing. Yeah, makes sense to me. Makes a lot of sense to me, actually, now that I think about it. Anyway. Uh, Druid. Druid is dead. Chad Druid is... Uh, Oof, it's awful. I, I'm sure people are not going to mourn this, but Chadroid looks unplayable. It, it does not look like a competitive deck anymore. Like, I mean, it makes sense. Wumper was six mana, did not see play. They buffed it to five, became really good. They nerfed it back to six, not going to see play. And it's probably a good thing. 
Now, something I did notice throughout history, Corp, we've had a lot of big decks. And I think I, I mean, I hate uh, trying to identify a pattern, but I think this is a good uh, point of guidance for future, future cards, future card designs. The big effect seems to be best situated at six mana. Six mana is like the sweet spot. When you make six mana big cards, some of them are not good enough, but some of them are competitive and become good enough. You look at Shadow Essence, you look at that, obviously still sees playing wild and kind of relevant there. Uh, you look at Lead Dancer, not very good. You look at Possessed Lackey, was five mana, was kind of too good. Then after the six, felt okay. Does uh, the Shaman one, Eureka, Eureka is another one at six? Yeah. A lot of the big effects, when you put them around six mana, that's kind of the sweet spot. They might not be good enough to see play, but they might be good enough. Once you put them around the five mana, four mana territory, that becomes a bit sketchy. That's when, you know, there's not enough time for the opponent to either mount a strong enough offensive to make the swing play not good enough to survive. Alternatively, Turn six is where more removal comes online and you're, and allows you to respond to that big turn, right? So it seems to me like it's kind of a good guidance rule for when the, we want these effects to occur. Um, but yeah, Chadroid right now, not good. And in its current iteration, I don't think we want it to be good. This is a deck that by far, if I talk to any Hearth most Hearthstone players, they, their main complaints was this deck because it just there was no agency and very often hedge maze into into uh Wamper was just non-game. But now unfortunately Druid is dead. <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, and it needs help next expansion. Hopefully it's gonna get it with Mommy Titan and more cards, but uh uh yeah. There's also the discover cards. The discover card is quite exciting, I think. I think that the six mana talk about the the big effect is a, is a great one. Um, there have been like five mana cards that have been kind of acceptable, but it's usually when they don't initially, like they don't immediately summon something, right? So like Skull of the Minari, uh, very, very, very powerful, but it didn't summon something that turn. Like uh, Wampa probably would have been fine if you couldn't pair it with Hedge Maze and just pop it out on turn five. Um, even like Void Caller, right? Like it's a death rattle, so... It can come out of turn earlier, but it's a lot slower. Um, there's also the the part where Muck Muckmorpher, yes, <laughs> yeah, Muckmorpher. I mean, that could have been something more standard, but I feel like it never quite had the right support. But um, I think it's not just the speed though. It's it also feels like the the big decks that people hate the most are when the 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 minions just don't go away, right? Like when there's layer upon layer of threat from the one mana cheating thing so whether that isn't big priest where once you kill it it keeps getting resummoned or in the case of wampa um because of the flesh behemoth often you wouldn't just have to deal with one big threat uh you have to deal with multiple you'd have, you'd get the hedge maze and the wampa and then the wampa death rattle would also like go off after so there was kind of just like wave after wave and it makes me a little curious about the future of kangor in paladin because that is another card that can create these similar wave after wave and you know with rush uh when you give it rush it can come out quite fast as well on that turn five um so yeah i think there's probably a lot of lessons to maybe be learned uh from these big type effects you know as they've returned to them in this past expansion or two 
Yeah, and Big Paladin is a deck that I don't think that they'll support too hard because of that reason. Um, you notice that they avoided buffing it with this entire expansion, even though it wasn't playable. They didn't come in and say, hey, let's buff this this thing. So, yeah, it's clear that, you know, big decks are something that some, some players really enjoy, really love, and I think they have a place in the format. Uh, but it's it can be tricky uh, because of how sensitive they are to mana breakpoints. It can be tricky to make them bounce and feel healthy enough uh, and not totally obnoxious. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so Druid and Warlock uh, is still really bad. And uh, I don't... Like, Warlock is actually triple bad. It's bad in Standard. You're going to find out soon that it's bad in Wild. <laughs> And it's bad in Twist. Do people even play it in Twist? Um, I, I think... I actually think an Imp Warlock might be one of the better aggro decks in, in Twist. I, I think... But it's not great, I imagine. There's not a lot of aggro. Not a lot of great aggro decks running around in Twist right now, I'll say. Really? Really? So Twist is just a combo-ish meta, I'd say... Huh? <laughs> yeah. A lot, of, a lot of off-board stuff and swing turns going on right now, I'd say. Yeah, um... Yeah, Warlock needs a lot of help. Druid needs a lot of help. I think both of them need help in the late game, but Warlock specifically needs help in terms of survivability. Druid, the survivability is a defined weakness. I get that. But it just doesn't make sense to me that you have you have control Warlock decks that are just so bad at surviving, and our late game doesn't it isn't even worth it. So we'll see what happens, but this is kind of it for the format. Um, I think... The, the Chad nerf overall did good. In terms of win rates, in terms of looking at pure win rates, you might think, oh, Enrage Warrior and Hound Hunter are really good right now. And, uh, you might uh, think, oh, the, their performance justifies nerfs or something like that. But I'm happy that they're waiting uh, to do anything to these decks because it's very likely that a new expansion will introduce new synergies, new cards, and... You know, Enrage Warrior and Hound Hunter are decks that are not, you know, I think once the expansion comes out, these are not decks that people are going to play much, at least initially. Um, they're going to be excited about other things, uh, other stuff. So we don't need to reduce the visibility for these decks right now. We can let them, let them uh, have their moment. And if an expansion comes out and Enrage Warrior and Hound Hunter are the best decks, after you release the expansion, then yeah, sure, nerf them. Uh, if Demon Hunter uh, is the best class after, and it runs Silver Moon, Arcanus, and Unleash Fell, then yeah, you can you can do something about that at that point. But for now, I think it's good uh, that you don't over nerf things. Uh, when you know after an expansion, there might not be any reason to touch them. So I'm good with the current format and. We can de definitely tie it over. Yeah, the last two patches have been really solid. They've been very gentle, um, but have worked out pretty fantastically, I would say. Um, only the one change needed uh, from the most recent patch was standard, and it seems to have been very effective, which speaks volumes to how well the first patch was done um, after the mini set. Uh, it, it is worth noting, again, we are in... Uh, it feels a little strange uh, calling it a fake meta, but maybe, uh, you know, just the, uh, a fake one because we don't currently have Spell Demon Hunter. It's fine. We don't need to talk about that, Corb. It's fine. We're good. We don't need to talk about it too much. I will say Spell Demon Hunter sucks against Enrage Warrior, and it's not very good against Hound Hunter either. 
So even if uh, Spell Demon Hunter existed currently in you know peak uh, power and uh, no bugs, I think it wouldn't be that bad. Probably Relic would be worse, and maybe Control Priest would be better, but Control Priest wouldn't be tier one or best deck in the game, even as Spell Demon Hunter was was bug fixed. So I, I, I'm I'm fine with it. And again, sometimes a, a bug can be clutch. Now, I will ask you, Corb, do you want to talk about Titans? Oh, we can absolutely talk about Titans. I would love to. Okay, so I, I was thinking, uh, let's let's just go over the Titans. Um, all the Titans have been revealed, and we do obviously both of us have thoughts about them. So I was thinking maybe we can we can talk about the, the revealed Titans. So, in our opinions, our initial opinions, obviously with no context of the rest of the sets and which is going to be very important but just initial impression so let's go over it i think uh we'll go all over it alphabetically i'm looking at the uh, at the at the titans you've got the death yes. titan yes uh the primus which is the That's primus the one. 8 mana 7 9 it's a titan and after it uses an ability discover a card with that rune um and it three abilities is like destroy an enemy minion this minion and your hero gain its health it's runes of blood then rune of the unholy summon two three three undead with taunt and reborn reborn and rune of frost is the next spell you cast cost three less and has spell damage plus three this titan does not excite me that much um i think it might be good in blood you can, uh, because obviously you can destroy a minion and gain health. That's good for blood. You can even, I was thinking about playing Rune of Frost and then Blood Boiling the next turn, but that seems very, very slow. Um, yeah, I don't know. This 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 Titan is not exciting to me. I think it's expensive, and I, I think people saying that this would be played in Frost are kind of optimistic. This is an eight-man first card. card, and we already have a disagreement, Zach. I'm actually very high on this card, so uh, you know I'm excited about really? it. Yeah, I really like it. Um, I like it in pretty much. Where would you play? I actually it? like the the idea of it in all of them, in Unholy Blood and Frost. Really, you would play this in Unholy? I think so. Yeah, uh, like I know it's not Maraga, but its tempo on board isn't um isn't bad. I I think with the two three three undeads, like very very sticky, hard to get to it. Uh, after you initially play it. I think that Unholy can go a little late. You know, uh, Maragar obviously being, you know, the best, if not, uh, like, one of the best uh, cards in that deck. Um, this isn't Maragar, but it's still very good, I think. Um, so I like it there. I like it in Frost probably the least, but I'm very interested in how it pairs with Howling Blast. Uh, Howling Blast is a fine-ish card by itself, but uh, it becomes, like, a very, very big, uh, strong AOE that you can play on the same turn with the Primus. So I'm interested there. Uh, so yeah, I actually really like it. I think it's very splashable. Um, I'm high on this one. I guess you can play it with, yeah, Howling Blast in the same turn. But we don't run Howling Blast right now. It'll have to be a different Death Knight. More similar to the Frostburn kind of deck than the Marrow Manipulator. I mean, I guess it's not... It just seems really slow to me. I think it's... Like, okay, and Unholy, you play it turn 8, and you play the three threes, and you hope it sticks, so it does something else, but it doesn't even utilize Runes of Frostwell, so it's not. It's just going to do a destroy something, gain health. 
strikes me as slow. I don't know. I'm not convinced by this. I don't think... I mean, this is a Titan, so... <laughs> the general message is this is all relative to the other Titans. Yeah. For me, this is one of the weaker Titans, but it's still, like, a good enough card. It's probably she's playing Constructed. I just... Like, for a Titan, I'm not that impressed. Now, it was, like, a Titan... Like, another Titan that, like, I'll give you in a compar- comparison is... Argus, the Emerald Star, which is the Demon Hunter Titan, which is a 7-mana 5-9. Minions to the left of this have Rush, and ones to the right have Lifesteal. Now, before we get into it, Zach, I I was wondering, do you know whether it summons with its effects two two twos to the left and right, or is it all to the right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's left and right. Two to the right and two to the left. So, um... It's got uh, three abilities. One is Crystal Carving. Discover a Death Rattle minion. It costs three less. Uh, show of Force. Reduce the cost of all minions in your hand by two. And uh, Argonite Army, which is summon four two two elementals with Taunt. The elementals, two of them show up to the right and two of them show up to the left. So you get four Taunts, four two twos. Two of them have Rush and two of them have Lifesteal. Uh, if you do that, that's probably going to be the most utilizability upon entrance. That's nutty. That's an insane swing to the board. And so Argus is basically, it's an insane board swing, or it's like an Emperor Thorson for minions, like a Giga Thorson. Uh, and the Death Rattle, we don't care. We don't care about that ability. It's not relevant. Uh, this card, this is a Titan. You know, this for me is a titan because it's a big board swing, comes like protects you and influences the board immediately. And if you're playing in a deck like Relic the Age, for example, and you discount it and you discount minions over, this card is insane. Like Argus is going to see play for sure in, in Demon Hunter, just a very powerful titan for me. You agree with the idea? Oh, yeah, it's so strong. It's so, so strong. strong. Yeah, I think the general theme, like, uh, you, you were saying it's relative to each other. Um, yeah, I mean, in general, if it, the card says Titan on it, I'm almost going to be always, like, very, very impressed with it. Uh, Titans seem broken. <laughs> Titans are stronger than Colossals. They're stronger than Agreed. Colossals. They are, they are very broken. But, yeah, I think this is going to be one of the ones where you just click the army, the um, you get the tutus, like, 95% of the time without even thinking. You just instantly play the card, click that, get your tutus, then you think about next turn. Um, you know, it's like a glug, zillag in terms of lots of bodies. And it's protected, makes it very likely that you get another effect next turn, and then you can pop off with the mana discounting. Um, I don't know, this card seems cracked. I love it. Yeah, this card is insane. Uh, the Druid one is also a big favorite of mine. Eonar, the Lifebinder. Uh, 10 mana, 5-7. After this uses an ability, summon a 5-5 Ancient with Taunt. And the three abilities is um, Spontaneous Growth, Draw Cards Until Your Hand is Full, Bountiful Harvest, reduce, uh, Restore Your Hero to Full Health, basically Reno Jackson, and Flourish, Refresh Your Mana Crystals. So for me, you just Giga Ramp to this. Uh, you Giga Ramp to this, you play Irinar, you Refresh, you play cover artists on it you get another ENR you draw your whole deck like the things you can do with it are kind of crazy I think this card has a lot of potential uh I love it this is this is might be my favorite titan also gets discounted and drawn 
by uh, Summer Flower Child. This card is really, really good. Yeah, I, I think it's very flashy. Probably the flashiest of the Titans in terms of like what you can imagine. I mean, it's 10 mana. Better yeah, better be, better be yeah. Um, it's probably the one that I uh, am the most skeptical about because uh, a lot of the Titans are sort of mid-costed, like mid to high, and you can kind of picture them being splashable in sort of whatever mid-rangey whatever deck is viable. Whereas this one obviously goes and drew decks that get to 10 mana. And we have we don't know if Druid can do that, you know, like it, it like it is a wait and see thing right now because Druid's not in a great spot. Ramp Druid isn't a great spot, so that's kind of my only hesitation. Is that it's probably a little bit more narrow in terms of fit than the other Titans, but it's very cool, it's very flashy, and yeah, the ability to replay multiple uh, life binders in the one turn seems super sick. Yeah, the only problem is obviously cover of artists is not doesn't really have other applications. That's a problem. This is the optimistic take, right? Like if if cover artist like is only works with Eonar, maybe it's not that great. But if you tutor specifically Eonar, you may have enough consistency to actually make that work. But I I think that uh, this card really helps ramping. You're you're saying we're not sure it can ramp, but this is a big payoff to ramping. And sometimes this is just coon. This is just a refresh. Makes a five five, uh, allows you to and sometimes heals you. Sometimes to it's Rainer. Like, yep. This has. <laughs> Sometimes the thing is, that's the thing. You can ramp, giga ramp, take some damage, and just and you just Reno with it. It's just I think people are really underestimating the the full heal effect. Like just like if you just it it gives you a win condition for against aggressive decks just from ramping. You just ramp to UNR and you win. You heal the full. And you develop a five five and a five uh five seven and five five taunt. On top of it, which is better than Reno, so I would I would uh, pay attention to this card. I think a lot of people focus on a refresh. A lot of them really like the idea of drawing a full hand, ramping into drawing a full hand. But I think the heal is very underrated. The underrated part of this this card, the fact that this heals the full, makes ramping much more viable. Anyway, um, yeah, the hunter one. Uh, which is Agramar the Avenger. Six mana, three seven. Battlecry equipped a three three weapon. We'll call it, we'll call it weapon. No, no, I'm not taking a shot at that. That's just a three three weapon. And then the abilities like boost the weapon. Like maintain order gives you weapon after your hero attacks, draw a card. Commanding presence give your weapon after your hero attacks, summon a three three enforcer with taunt. And then uh, swift slash give your weapon plus to attack and your hero is immune while attacking i just want to give this i just want to equip a 5-3 weapon and smack my opponent in the head i think that's good enough like i'm summoning a 3-7 on the board that the, my opponent has to kill and i get a 5-3 weapon on top of it that's that's 15 damage in hunter i think every hunter deck plays this yeah, I think, you know, I was talking about how splashable the Titans are. This one feels like it might be the most splashable. Yeah, this is like Tavish. You just play it in every Hunter deck without even thinking about it. Yeah, I really like the 3-3 body uh, effect, actually. I know I know the 15 damage right to the head is tempting, but man, the summon and taunts every turn. Compare it to, I know it's a silly comparison, baby, but compare it to 2 my side. 
Like, <laughs> like you get a 3-3, it's almost a 4-4 taunt. And then you get a Titan instead, and you get the weapon, like, for two more swings that get more 3-3s. Like, it's so much tempo and value. It's just like, God, it's a very good card. Yeah, it's just, like, so flexible. Like, sometimes you just want to taunt and just get boards and swing. Sometimes you just want to hit them for 15. Uh, and sometimes you'll get to do both of these things if if this if these thing if this thing survives, which can't happen because it's a seven mana minion. It's quite big. a seven seven health. It's Boulder Fist Ogre health. It's uh, it's a lot of health. It's good stats, but um, I will. I I do wonder. I I did say it's splashable, but it does kind of clash with the Wild Seeds, and it does kind of clash with Hope of Quelthalos. Uh, but I think if you're remotely aggressive, you'd rather run this card. Maybe not. You'd still run the Wild Seeds alongside it, but I am wondering about Hope of Quelthalos. Whether you can run... Maybe. Maybe you can run both. But this card's obviously very good. Um, it's going to see play in a lot of Hunter decks. I, I, most Hunter decks are not going to pass on it. Um, Mage. The Mage one... I'm not feeling it. Uh, Norganon, six mana, three eight. After this uses an ability, double the power of its other abilities. So, progenitor's power is deal five damage, turns into ten and twenty. Uh, ancient knowledge, enemy cards cost one more next turn, turns into two and four. And unlimited potential, cast one random mage secret, and obviously it turns into two and four. Basically, you're going to use this mostly as a violence portal. You deal five damage, you kill some minion, right? And if they don't kill it, then, you know, you can stall them, make their cards cost two more, which is huge, right? Or you play two secrets, cast two random secrets, which can be disruptive. I mean, again, it's pretty good for a violence portal, but for a Titan, it's not that amazing. Yeah, it um definitely doesn't have the immediate tempo uh that some of the other titans have the upside being that you know if you don't have to use that damage first that the the damage scales like crazy uh all of a sudden like if you pick secrets or the enemy spells cost next uh one more next turn um or enemy cards cost one well, enemy, enemy cards, cards sorry enemy cards it's, it's, <laughs> cost one more next turn it's it's better than just a the cold yeah fight. then then the effect becomes 10 damage and then you know 20 damage so that's kind of crazy but I, I definitely agree with you i think this is one of the weakest titans that we have which makes it an above average hearthstone card yeah yeah obviously uh, like it's good violence portal and we play good violence portal six mana violence portal with a nutty summon it's for a summon it's pretty nutty you have to kill eight health on turn six or it does more stuff you need to kill it so it's powerful but for a titan it's kind of meh um paladin amethyst the peacekeeper um is a seven mana paladin titan it's a one eight it's a taunt your minions can't take more than two damage at a time uh which includes amethyst okay um and then it has reinforced which is draw two minions set their attack health and cost to two empowered which gives your other minions plus two plus two and pacified which sets the attack and health of all enemy minions to two this card is again it's pretty good um you can use it as a defensive tool 
to pacify your opponent's uh, board. It's a taunt. It's a one-a taunt. That the the thing that struck me about this that I think I may not have realized at initial glance is that the ability effect itself. So it's a one-a taunt that cannot take more than two damage at a time. So if you're facing four eight eights, like <laughs> let's say there's there are four eight eights on the board for your opponent, and they smack this. You need four smacks to kill it, which is kind of crazy. Like this thing basically has infinite health, right? It, it's, it's really hard to remove, which means it's really hard to remove. It, it might be the stickiest Titan of them all. Eight health and cannot take more than two damage a turn. You need to transform it uh, as the most, uh, the best answer for it is to transform it. It might be the most likely Titan to survive after being played. So that counts for. It something. was probably the hardest one for me to evaluate. Do you, do you agree? Like this is one of the more tricky ones for you to get your head around. I think this is the hardest one to evaluate, because on one hand, it has reactive tool. It has a very reactive ability that's hard to evaluate. You can compare it to, kind of, Sunkeeper Terrium, but Sunkeeper Terrium had like in one play it would be good both offensively and defensively. Here you have a more elaborate set of abilities that I think are harder to evaluate individually. Um, but this card is, I think I will note, the fact that it's so hard to kill makes it worth something quite a bit, even though it has one attack. I will just add as well, it works very well with hand buffing. Um, like if you land an outfitter on this, all of a sudden, uh, you know, because it can turn the enemy minions into tutus, um, having to attack would be very valuable in setting up some awkward trades for the opponent. So hand buffing works really well, but I don't think we have a ton of that outside outfitter in standard right now. Yeah, if this had to attack, it would be insane, but they did do it the two attack thing because of tier. So, or tire, whoever the name is, because you don't want it to be resurrected. Um, they avoided that, but yeah, I think this card has a lot of potential. But again, it's not like the most... I don't think it's the most amazing Titan, but I think the the, the fact that it's so sticky is going to end up catching the people. People are going to be, wow, this thing is unkillable. Uh, it's kind of unkillable. Okay. The Priest... I hate it. Might make me uninstall yep. the game. Might make me uninstall the game. 7 mana, 310. After this uses an ability, discover any legendary minion any which means it can be other classes right if it says any it could be any legendary basically so i think that works like yeah that. i think so and the three abilities shape the stars choose a non-titan minion summon a copy of it with plus two plus two so if you have a even an enemy type uh, minion on the board you can copy it summon it to your board give it plus two plus two Strike from history. Choose two enemy minions, remove them from the game. Basically, life sentence twice. And you choose both. You click twice. You have the ability to click on two cards. And vision of heroes. Summon a random six-cost minion. Give it taunt and lifesteal. This card is absolutely crazy. And, like, two life sentences, for me, is extremely powerful. Like... You're playing a 7-mana 3-health Titan. 
you remove your two two of your opponent's biggest threats, you remove them from the game. So it bypasses death rattle, right? It's a poof. It's uh it's like life sentence, it's like uh uh Reno, the hero card, if you remember. It means that the death rattles don't trigger, resurrection effects don't work, they don't go into the graveyard, the minions that you killed. It just poof. That's an insane ability. You're gonna use that most of the time. And if you're playing an if you want to play it into an empty board, go ahead. You summon a random six-cost minion. You give it taunt and lifesteal. Makes it very difficult to get through it and kill the Amanthul, which has 10 health at 7 mana. Very hard to remove. And every time you cast an ability, you just discover a legendary minion, which... Like, okay, Corb, I'm going to ask you this. If this could not discover a legendary minion after it cast an ability, if it was just blank, if the text was just Titan, would this card not be good? I think it would I be think good. you'd still play it. I think you'd still play it, yeah. You'd still play it, but the fact that you can you discover at least one legendary minion, if not more, this card is yeah, insane. It, it's always good, right? Like if you're ahead, um you get your six cost minion and you're more ahead. If you're behind, you remove things. Let's say you play a Flesh Behemoth. Well, I guess you win every time you play Flesh Behemoth and it survives, right? But imagine copying your Flesh Behemoth. Zach, Zach, what if you copy the opponent's Flesh Behemoth? You can also do that. Like, or you just, you know, most of the time, if they have a big threat, you just life sentence it, right? You just strike it from history. So, but, but if you're behind, this saves your skin. And if you're ahead, this ensures you win the game. Like, it's just so strong. I don't know why it has 10 health. It, it's massive. <laughs> it has 10 health. This is the second most unkillable uh, Titan after the Paladin one. Right? This is the second stickiest one. It's so one. fat. It's so big. It's like, it has a fat butt. Its butt is enormous. And, um, I, like, I, I'm glad you let off immediately with how much you hate it. And it's going to make you uninstall. Like, I, like we're, I'm praising the card. Like, the card is sick. Like, if you're going to be playing it. Man, it's going to be tilting. Oh, my God. I hate it so much already. I don't remember the last time I hated a card this much before it came out. Elusia? Oh, I didn't know what I was I didn't Eotar? know what I was getting with Elusia. Like, I, I didn't realize at the time. Oh, I knew. <laughs> also, Theotar. I knew exactly what would happen. I knew people would hate that. But, uh, but yeah, this card is really... Maybe we're overhyping it. I mean, it's seven mana still, but no, we're not overhyping it. This card is crazy. This goes into every Control Priest deck that has a... Do you play this in Undead Priest? <laughs> I think you do. This card is insane. It's, it's seven mana, 310, and you just summon... You just, like, if you're playing an aggressive priest deck, you just play the, you just summon a six cost, whatever. I don't know. This card seems nuts to me. Um, Yeah. Okay. Now we go to the rogue one, the, the vulture. Oh, this Prime. is going to be whiplash. Yeah, whiplash going from priest to rogue. <laughs> exactly the word. Okay. Six mana, three, five. This minion's abilities repeat on another mi random friendly minion. Random. You don't choose. And the abilities are attach the cannons, gain plus two plus one, deal four damage to a random enemy. So that happens twice, because if you have another minion in play. Uh, full power, which gain, uh, gains you plus one plus two and draws a card. And maximize defenses, which gain three health and can't be targeted. I spells or your pop. This is like a bad Krabatoa. Like a worse version of Krabatoa, because... 
arguably Voltron Prime is better when you're ahead because if you have a minion in play and your opponent's board is clear and you play Voltron Prime, you attach the cannons and that's like eight damage to the face. That's like Mara oh, Manipulator. 10 damage, including the buff, 10 damage. Yeah, it's 10 damage. It's a power blast. You, you smack them in the face with the power blast, which is pretty good. Again, this is a Titan. It's not a bad card. But what I don't like about it, it doesn't feel very roguey. And it requires you to have a minion in play. If your board is empty, then this is way worse than Krabatoa. This does barely anything. Uh, you really don't want to play it on an empty board. So if you're behind, it sucks. If you're ahead, it's good. But if you're ahead, it's still not as good as other Titans. So, yeah. This card is one of the weaker Titans. So relatively, I'm not too... I think you agree with yeah, that. Yeah, this is definitely this is definitely probably a Titan where I want to see the rest of the set because um, there's obviously mech something going on, right? Like, a lot of the other Titans feel highly splashable in other things. Voltron, I think it'll depend what we get in terms of mech synergies. I'm also very nervous that we're getting mech cards it looks like in rogue like this isn't quite the direction i necessarily would have loved but um we have only seen two cards and i know that you can't spoil anything about rogue so you can't comment on this zach but uh we'll have to wait and see what we get um definitely like uh, i think i can't remember which one i said was the non-flashiest uh maybe the mage i can't recall uh but yeah voltron prime is probably another like not very flashy or super exciting one compared to something that we get in like druid uh right now I will say this card is not really a mech card. Even though it's a mech, it doesn't really have any synergy, specific synergy with mechs. It just, it's not, it, it, it doesn't, like, the abilities impact any minion. Like, any random minion. So it doesn't have to be mech. So this card is not really a mech card, per se. So, this card is splashable, at least. It's like, it's kind of, it's a mech Krabatoa. Kind of Krabatoa, I think, yeah. A lot of people making the Krabatoa comparison. I do like it if you're ahead. Like, if you have one minion in play, then it's already pretty good. But So it's a good card, but it's when you're behind, it's not great. Okay, the Shaman one. Uh, Golganeth, the Thunderer, 6 mana, 5, 7. Your first spell each turn costs 3 less, which means if you play it on 6, you can play a spell up to 3 cost for free alongside this. Roaring or Oceans... Deal 3 damage to all enemies and restore 3 health to all friendly characters. That's one ability. Lord of Skies. Deal 20 damage to a minion. Really, really kill it. Uh, and uh, Shargan's Wrath, which is draw 3 overload cards. This card seems crazy good to me. Um... I mean, I don't think it's as good as like the best Titans, but this is a very good Titan. You can, you play it, you can immediately play a spell with it. You can like play it with Lightning Storm. Bam, right? Um, you have a, like if you don't have a Lightning Storm, you can just play a pre-built insane AoE effect that heals you to f for six, right? Six mana, five, seven. That deals three damage to all enemies and heals you for six is really good. Um, it's a powerful effect. And again, if you clear the board and this has seven health and it can live a turn, then you get even more benefits. Um, 
And draw three overload cards is quite good, especially when you combine it with the mana discount. So if you play like a bunch of three mana spells in your deck, you draw one of them, you can play it for free on the same turn. Pretty good. This card's broken to me. Like, like so broken. It's like Frigidara. This is Frigidara, but maybe even yeah, better. The, the AoE effect is crazy, where it's like, yeah, three damage to all enemies, goes face. You get a Divine him. And uh, you get a 5-7 that makes the first spell cost 3 less, because that's not a spell. So you get to do something else as well. That's so much for 6 mana. Um, like, it's good to wide boards. It's good if you have to kill something specifically. And if there's nothing to kill, then you get to draw 3 cards. 3 cards? And then one of them is at a discount? Yeah, one of them you can play them immediately. That's crazy. Like, this card is really good. It's Frigidara, but better. It's kind of insane that it goes face, that the AoE also goes face. <laughs> exactly. Um, like, Golganath the nerfed? Uh, that wouldn't shock me if that became its new name. I don't know. I, is this the best Titan? I'm not sure it's the best. Amanthul, for me, is the best. Uh, did they nerf a Colossal? They, they nerfed Nelly. They nerfed Nelly. Oh, they nerfed Nelly, right. Oh, right, right. They did nerf a Colossal. So there is a chance that a Titan will get nerfed. But, I don't know. I think this card is really good. Um, it's gonna see play. It's good. Okay, the warlock one. The warlock one is like, woo. Sargeras the destroyer. Nine mana, six twelve. Battle cry. Open a portal that summons two three two imps each turn. Basically, Lakari sacrifice payoff. If you remember, um, the twisting nether, the first ability. Uh, uh no, the twisting nether is the portal basically. Uh, to the void is the first ability. Send all other minions to into the Twisting Nether. Basically, uh, it poofs them. Um, sends them into the Nether. Again, I think Death Rattles do not trigger from this. Yeah. Inferno, summon two 6-6 six, six Infernals from the Twisting Nether. And Legion Invasion, future demon summons from, summoned from the Twisting Nether, have plus two health and taunt. So... If you play Sargeras and you use Legion Invasion, the imps that you summon from the portal every turn are 3-4 taunts now. You basically, once you play this, you need to have space for the Twisting Nether on the board. But once that happens, this infinitely summons imps for the rest of the game. And if you play Legion Invasion, they have taunt. And if you play Legion Evasion and it survives, and the uh, Sargeras survives, and you play Inferno, then the 6-6 six, six taunts that you summon are 6-8. The 6-6 six, six that you summon turn into 6-8 taunts. This card is really good for long, drawn-out games. Like, if you play Sargeras and you get this portal, you have, basically, in theory, infinite sources of taunts every turn. I think that is very, very powerful. It's a very powerful battle cry. This Titan probably has the best battle cry of all Titans. Uh, and the abilities are powerful because if you're behind, then you play just you just play the Twisted Nether and you clear the board. The board is clear. You have a 12 health Titan. If it's not killed, I think you just win the game. So this is the biggest win condition Titan, I think, out of all the This titans. is the big flashy one. This is the this is the Titan that can just win a long game by itself like which you can't say about the other titans really 
But this Titan has potential to be just its own win condition. And it's odd cost, which means if you cheat out a Thaddeus, then you can play this immediately, which is very, very powerful. It, it, it matters a lot that this is odd cost, that this is 9 mana and not 10. This makes it a lot more cheesable with a Thaddeus shell, with a, with a Chad shell. And uh, yeah, the good the good news, it's a battle cry. The battle cry cannot be cheated out with a Void Caller, right? It negates the battle cry. So you need to play it. You need to place it on the board yourself for it to open the portal. But you can cheat it out and get a Twisting Nutter off with a Void Caller. You can still do that. I don't believe so, uh, because all the abilities say from the Twisting Nether into the Twisting Nether. Oh, oh, right, right, you're right, you're right. It it needs the portal on the board. I forgot about it. I explained it and then forgot about it. So this is not, you don't want to play this in the same deck with Void Caller. I like that. Yeah. I like that. And um, it, it's not technically the most expensive Titan, but because, you know, the other one's 10 in Druid, it's kind of the most expensive Titan because Druid doesn't count with mana. Yeah, yeah. This is the slowest one. Like, Eonar is definitely faster than this. Um, yeah, it's the slowest, but again, it's the most grindy. You can you can just... This this card can solo control prison, can solo blood control that thing. If they don't, like, produce pressure through the board and manage to beat you through the board and pressure you, kill you, then they're eventually going to run out of removal for this. Like... The th the two three twos a turn sounds innocent, but it's it's every turn, more stuff that they need to remove every turn. That's kind of rough. Yeah, it, it's very similar to some of like the old school hero card type things that we've seen. You know, like Lich Frost, uh, Jaina, or you know that kind of grindy hero power. Um, obviously you don't need to like actually spend mana to get the effect off, but in terms of slowly incrementally chipping away at someone, um, whether that's good, I don't know. That's probably going to be more of a meta dependent thing, right? Like whether you can afford to play something this slow, but the body's huge. The effect is going to, honestly, the effect will probably snowball and tip people over faster than you'd think. Um, especially if you're going with those three fours, like two, three fours, every turn is flooded into the board. Those can be very pesky and uh can kind of become insurmountable uh, at some point so yeah um i think it's very much a wait and see card i think the chattiest call out is excellent like that's not something that i thought about but now i'm thinking about it the fact that it is odd costs and how important that is so uh it's a great point but yeah obviously not a card that they wanted you to be able to cheat and to play with void caller so they were very intentional about um making sure that you were gonna pay mana for this it's just maybe you pay one mana for it instead of nine. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. But this is just a win condition. Like if you just play a deck that's focused on surviving until you play this on turn nine, then you win. Like if you play this any fast matchup, if you get to turn nine, you manage to place it. Even if you're twisting now that the game is over, they cannot kill you with 12 health. You're going to play the, you're going to give the imps taunt. And from that point, your face is unreachable, right? So, um, so in any matchup that's relatively fast, this is really good. And in, in slow matchups, if you play it, then it gives you a lot of pressure, sustained pressure over time that helps you outvalue your opponent. So this card is a win condition, but it obviously is the slowest one, uh, which is appropriate because it has potentially the highest payoff, but also requires the biggest investment. 
Very intriguing card. My suspicion is it's going to be a top-tier card in a deck that's not top-tier. Uh, but that's just my initial... I have to see the rest of the Warlock set. We need to build decks. We need to theorycraft. We need to figure out whether that's actually good. Okay. Warrior. A lot of criticism from this Titan. I think some of it has merit, but some of it I think is too harsh. Uh, Kazgoroth. Six mana, four, four. After this uses an ability, gain immune and attack a random enemy menu. So it kind of has pseudo rush um, every time you use an ability. Uh, Titan Forge, first ability, gain plus two, plus two, draw a weapon. Tempering, gain plus five attack, give your hero five attack this turn. Uh, and Heart of Flame, gain 5 health, give your hero 5 armor. So, this card, again, I think the main criticism, it's boring. I think people were thirsty for some Control Warrior support. And they see this Titan and it doesn't really strike you as much of Control Warrior support. Uh, but I guess it's pretty good with Black Rock and Roll. And um, it's a solid card. Again, this card is not bad. It just... For me, it's kind of like Voltron Prime tier, where it's like, it doesn't really define a deck. You don't really want to build around this. This is just a card you run in a warrior deck. Um, so in that sense, it's kind of disappointing, but it's not terrible. Like, it's not terrible, but it's, it's for a Titan, it's kind of underwhelming. I don't think every warrior deck is just going to play this. Um, like... Faster warrior decks probably don't run this. I think the slow ones will, but it's not that amazing. Again, again, this is Volton Prime team. Yeah, like, is this going in Menagerie Warrior? Like, no, it's not happening. Um, no. But it's fine. Like, I, I'm a little... I am one of the people that's disappointed by it, you know? I, I think that um, what Warrior has been... You know, the faster warrior decks have kind of gone to cool direction. People have been thirsting for, like you said, something that's a bit flashier for the slower archetypes. Um, it feels like this doesn't quite match up to some of the other things that we're seeing, some of the other Titans in other classes. So in that sense, yeah, a bit disappointing. Like I've wanted to really engage with Warrior for a while now, and it feels like it's been a couple years almost since I felt very passionate about the class. So in that sense, a little disappointing, but, um, it is just one card as well out of the entire Warrior set. So like, it's not all doom and gloom for the entire expansion just yet. It's not. But I understand the, the frustration because this card is boring and it doesn't really inspire confidence and it doesn't really make you want to build a deck around it. It does none of the things that are evocative uh, of, a, like, of a card. So I think that the criticism is definitely can be justified, but... Doesn't make the card bad. Yeah, it doesn't make the card bad, right? The card is good for a Hearthstone card. It just doesn't... I think there was an expectation that, okay, Warrior's going to get this cool Titan that it's going to make me want to build like a control warrior deck around it or whatever. And it really is nowhere near that. So I understand that. I understand the, the, the feeling around that. I'm hoping that the rest of the Warrior set is going to give us more support for things that people were uh, clamoring for. But yeah, this is one of the weaker Titans for sure. And that's it. Yeah, for now. For now, that's it. Uh, I think the Titans are fun. They're cool. 
uh, most of them. It's going to be interesting to build decks around them. Uh, we'll see. But for me, standouts, Demon Hunter, Druid, Hunter, very good. The Paladin is interesting. I think I underestimated that card at first glance, but I'm starting to warm up to it. The Priest one, my lord, and I, the Shaman one is very strong. I think my favorite is Sargeras. It's the coolest one. Uh, it might not be the best one. It might not be the one that sees the most play. But it's definitely the one that I want to build the deck around the most out of all of them. And in that sense, I think that they gave Warlock something that they the class needed. What the Warrior Titan did not do for Warrior, I think the Warlock Titan did do for Warlock. I think they Sargeras is cool. I think that's a great point. Um, that it's not even just about the power level. It's about how excited you are and how much you want to engage with the card. Um, I would I would agree with you on all that ones you highlighted. I'm higher on the Death Knight one, it seems like, a little bit. But um, other than that, I think we're on almost the yeah. same page. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're, they're strong, Zach. They are damn strong cards. They they look better than Colossals. I'll say, I'll say that much. I think that they're going to be even more influential than Colossals. We know that most Colossals were... Um, core cards and decks consistently over the last year and a half, a uh, year and some months. So I expect to see the same for Titans. Uh, though some of the Titans I think are less spammable than others. I think the Hunter one's just going to go. The Shaman one has a great chance. Actually, the Shaman one is not like, it's not going to go into Totem Shaman or something like that, but the Shaman one is very, very interesting for slower Shaman decks. But in general, they're, they're cool. I think they're going to be important pieces for this set. The rest of the set is also starting the reveal season is ramping up and uh, it's going to start pretty soon after this podcast is out. Uh, we're going to see the neutrals, all the neutrals this week. And then every class will have its day. So I'm super excited about the reveal season. I'm looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. um, with the next report, or again, uh, you've talked about it coming up on... This Thursday, the 13th, uh, the Wild Report will be out a few hours after the podcast goes live. So for some of you, it'll already, already be out. Um, and a reminder that VS has a reveal that we're going to be doing on the 15th. So just attack the song at the end of the show. Make sure you're you know keeping an eye out for the Vicious Syndicate website uh, for the card reveals for Rogue uh, on the 15th this Saturday. Um, Zach, uh, just before we completely get out of here, do you have a current plan in terms of scheduling after this next report do you do you think there's going to be maybe one more uh before we wrap things up with this expansion probably one more report after this week's report and then a couple more podcasts before i go into content mode expansion content mode final report is probably going to be on the 20th and then there's a there's a break great so thank you guys again for listening to the show with us um you can support the show with VS Gold or on Patreon. You get a whole bunch of sweet perks as well when you sign up. Uh, as always, we would like to thank Evil Dave for the podcast transcriptions and to Steven Sensei for the outro and intro. Thank you guys very much, and we'll see you next time. Bye. The Data Reaper Podcast is an official production of Vicious Syndicate. Don't forget to sign up and contribute your game data to improve the quality of the weekly Data Reaper report. Instructions are available on our website, along with lots of other weekly content at viciousyndicate.com.
Thank you to all of our patrons and data contributors for proving their strength in numbers. <laughs>